This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford. 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. And today we're going to be talking with Jesus Cortez and the San Francisco Music Dance Company, Cuicacali. They will be talking to us about the next presentations they're going to have and about the history of this company. But we're also going to have a little window to the professional development of Jesus Cortez as he began his training as a folk dance as a six-year-old in Mexico. How it has developed all the way through here where he founded and has been teaching uh, the folk dance in San Francisco, but he also created a company that brings a full mariachi program in San Francisco. We are also going to be talking about the San Francisco's music scene and theater scene and the survival of the San Francisco culture after the pandemic. We're also going to be listening a little bit of the music of the school and hopefully we're going to learn more about this wonderful experience which is the folk dances in California. Stay with us here in Atenea Americana. Welcome here to Atenea Americana. We're talking today in San Francisco with Jesus Cortez who is going to tell us a little bit more about actually a festival that is happening this year in San Francisco, the New Roots Festival. But he's also going to tell us a little bit more about his art and his roots. So welcome here to Atene Americana and thank you for uh, staying with us, well, for talking with us here from Stanford. Thank you. Thank you very much for for, for the invite. It's an honor uh, for me to be here, you know, having this amazing conversation with you. Thank you. So let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about your roots and about your connection to dance and to San Francisco. Yeah, um, I was born in Veracruz, Mexico, born and raised in Veracruz, Mexico. Uh, my great-grand-uncle, uh, which is the brother of my great-grandmother, I'm sorry, my yeah, my great-grandmother, uh, he was an artist, you know, um, he was living actually in the state of Yucatan for many years, but when I was around maybe like two or three years old, he came back to, to Veracruz to live with my uh, great-grandmother, and uh, he started his, his uh, ballet folklorico. Uh, and his ballet folklorico also was called Cuicacali. Uh, Cuicacali also means house of culture in the Nahuatl language. Uh, so that is why I actually... It's interesting because we are the Atenea Americana is Atenea, which is the house of culture too. <laughs> awesome, awesome, yeah. Different so roots he, uh, stories. I know, but the same mission, the same. right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so when I was about five years old, my mom actually like... Um, make me and i say maybe because yeah you know at that moment i wasn't 
really like looking forward to to study dance but my mom made me take the dance classes uh one of the reasons was because she wanted me to to learn the discipline you know then dance involved you know like she wanted me to be doing something productive in the in the afternoons and the fact then it was my my uncle my great grand uncle the teacher uh well the classes were actually free for us and actually the classes were free for everybody because he never charged um, any of her dancers uh, this is a beautiful story, I think, because uh, the, it was a ballet folklorico, a well, well-known ballet folklorico in Veracruz, you know, um, and his mission was to provide the classes and the performances for the children of the community. That way he can actually help uh, keep them in a, in a good path, right? So he never really charged anybody to, to, to take the dance classes. And, you know, once again, that's one of the reasons I started dancing. Um, but by the age of like, I'd say 14, 15 years old, so I was already like uh, 10 years into the training, I really fell in love with, with the beautiful art um, form of dance. Um, I, I identify myself with, uh, you know, who really I was, you know, because as a young child, sometimes you, you just get distracted by all this media. Well, in that time, it wasn't that much media, but, you know, we were dancing to rap music and all that stuff. Um, but having having my culture, you know, like being shared by my uncle through dance, you know, it really helped me identify to who really I am. So that's how I started dancing. And then around 17 years old, I moved to Cancun, Quintana Roo. And is when I actually started dancing professionally. Uh, by, I will not say by accident, but almost by accident. We moved, I moved to Cancun looking for an opportunity, but I didn't know what it was. And looking around, they st people uh, start asking me, like, hey, are you still dancing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I still dance. It's like, why not you audition for, you know, ballet folklorical companies? And I was like, really? Do they pay for it? I mean, at that point, I wasn't even thinking that I can make a living of it. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, there's many over here. So that's how I started my, my professional career as a dancer. And I was amazed because it was, oh my God, I've been learning this for like the last 10 years and now I'm making money out of it. I was, if this is not a job, I mean, this is really fun, you know? I got, I got the blessing to meet, uh, to meet uh, Lucas Zarate Lobato. He was a, he's a former dancer of Ballet Folklorico de Amalia Hernandez in Mexico City. Uh, I danced with him in, in one of the companies and, you know, he was a dear dancer, as I mentioned. And I really, I was very interested in learning the dear dance. Um, but I was blessed that he actually chose me to, to, to really share his knowledge with me. So he trained me. He, did, he, he said, okay, I'm going to train you, you know, like, I think you got what it takes. So let's see. I don't know if he really thought so. He was mo more like, you know, trying me. Like, is he going to really last to this training? Because it was a very intense training uh, for several months every day. <laughs> but he started training me without telling me then. His idea was really to for me to move to Mexico City to start dancing with the Ballet Folklorico de Mexico de Amalia Hernandez, which is the most recognized company in Mexico, uh, you know, ambassadors of the Folklorico um, from Mexico. And after several months of training, he shared with me, well, you know, would you like to, to actually try to go to, to Mexico City? And I was like, yeah, of course I want to try. So, and that's when I really, really became like, uh, I guess, a professional dancer, but uh, a I guess you call it an elite, an elite level. You know, it wasn't only like a small companies, which I love working with the small companies in, in Cancun and other places, but that was a company then, you know, if you're a folklorico dancer, you, you pursue to go to that company and it's not easy at all. 
but it's very rewarding, you know, amazing experience with, with the company. I was able to, to travel to France with them and many places in, um, in Mexico, many states in Mexico. I stayed there uh, for about four years and, and then I also fell in love with uh, contemporary dance. Uh, yeah, so when I was in Cancun as well, I started taking more classes, you know, jazz dance classes, contemporary dance classes, a little bit of classical ballet. So, so I have some kind of like training, but when I moved to Mexico City, it was a requirement that you have to take two ballet classes, two classical ballet classes a day, every day. And, and then through that also, uh, the, the director, Norma, Hernan Norma Hernandez at the time, she also will bring, you know, other, other teachers like contemporary dancers to teach classes for us, like master classes and things like that. And I fell in love with contemporary dance class. I mean, I love classical ballet, um, but really um, contemporary dance, you know, like I fell in love with it, you know, uh, and I decided to, to continue that, that path. So, and that's one of the reasons I actually moved to USA. My mom was already living here in, in Texas in Fort Worth. So that make it a little easier for me to, to take the decision. Um, but I moved to, to USA after being in Ballet Folklorico de Mexico for about four years, as I mentioned. And it wasn't easy because at the time, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning English. I still like have trouble sometimes, you know, saying um, the things that I want to say the right way. I understand, but back then I didn't know any English. So when I moved to this country, it was very hard. Um, I thought I was going to come and I'm going to start dancing in other companies like right away. But it was the, the you know, like barrier. That barrier. Thank you very much um, of the language. So I have to work in many other things. And through all those jobs, you know, I started learning a little bit more English. I started, you know, like, you know, trying to trying to learn uh, online as well. A couple of times before I moved to USA um, to live in USA, a couple of times I came to to perform here as well. I went to Denver and I went to New Mexico and in New Mexico and Santa Fe, New Mexico, I met um, this amazing person is one of my mentors as well. His name is Roger Montoya. When he found out that I was actually living in, in, in Texas, he contacted me and he was like, hey, Jesus, would you like to, to be part of my, my art program that I have here with the school district in, in Espanola, New Mexico? And I was like, explain me a little bit more about it and what I have to do. He said, like, yeah, you will be a dance teacher. And I was like, I was shocked because at that time I was just focusing and just dancing professionally. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I was ready to to start teaching, but I took, but I took the opportunity. I moved to New Mexico and, and I started co-teaching with another of my very good friends, also a former dancer of Amalia Hernandez. Um, her name is Janela John and she, she was born in Denver. So she was, she, she, she was obviously fluid in English. So I was just paying attention to everything she was saying, how she was saying, you know, I started learning more, more, um, English and more of the concept, um, uh, for dance in English. So eventually I find myself already just teaching classes by myself. And I was like, oh my God, this is lovely. You know, like I, I am, um, you know, like teaching in English now. It's like fantastic. And in New Mexico, I actually, um, you know, have the blessing and the opportunity to, to, to work with um, this contemporary dance school. It was called Moving People Dance Theater. Uh, it was a fantastic um, experience as well because that's when I can I was able to to become you know a contemporary dancer in a professional level. You know they have festivals every year. They have they bring choreographers from all over the place to 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 develop their work on the dancers that the company. So it was a uh, living. A, I was living a dream because I was teaching um, you know in the school district of Española. 
I was also teaching with another ballet folklorico, which was from my friend Janelle. Uh, I it was it's called Los Niños de Santa Fe y Compañía, and I was dancing contemporary dance. You know, I was like, oh my god, this is this is fantastic. This is quite fantastic. So once again, I was I was you know loving the time dancing contemporary teaching. And then my friend Roger was like, why don't you start a school right here with me, like a ballet folklorico? And we did, and it went really well. But things happened because, you know, like I actually met my, my wife now. I met her over her. She was from California. You know, we were doing some, uh, for some time we did like a long distance relationship. And the plan was then maybe she was going to move there. She's also a musician and she's the director of Mariachi La Mision, by the way, which is the music program uh, uh, in collaboration with Quica Cali. So I made the decision to move to San Francisco to, to continue my, my relationship with her. And here in San Francisco is when I was like, okay, I don't have my, my mentor, Lucas, who taught me the dear dance. I don't have my mentor, Roger. Okay, I'm here on my own. So what I'm going to do? And I was like, okay, I'm going to start everything I learned with these guys. I'm gonna and now apply you will it. be the mentor. <laughs> and I, yes, exactly. I said, everything I learned from these guys and all my friends and all the amazing directors and, that I work with, I'm going to apply it and I'm going to build something from nothing, I said, I, I literally say that, you know, and, um, you know, I was a blessed, I was blessed as well than what I learned as a teacher with the district in Española, I was able to actually develop a program here with the district. We are, my company, Cucacali, is a partnership. We have a kind of like a partnership with the school district of San Francisco. So I am a, a dance teacher for the school district of San Francisco. For the last uh, 14 years, I've been teaching, you know, in several schools, hundreds of students. Uh, and in fact, that was the way I, I was able to start Quica Cali because parents know, noticed the job that I was doing with the students. They were like, hey, do you have a school, a dance school? And, you know, like, yeah, yeah, sure. And we went from literally from one student to 50, 60 students, you know, like, in, you know, in a couple of years. I was like, okay, that's fantastic. Nope, that was only young the students but they stay they stay and through the years i was like okay now it's time to to develop the actual ballet folklorico you know like a professional level and the contemporary dance company we also have a um, a contemporary dance company uh under quicker cali so and that's that's where am i right that's where i am now you know like teaching directing um i'm a father i married my my, my wife as i mentioned before we i have a beautiful daughter an amazing son, um, and here we are once again. Thankfully, as a blessing, as I always mention, living the dream, you know, and just just every day trying to keep moving forward. This is Atenea Americana, and that today we are talking with Jesus Cortez, the director of, of Cuica Cali. And this company, Valen Folklorico, uh, that, that you are leading now in La Mission, so you kind of inherit the company or do you start it for yourself and, and the community? Yeah, uh, 
as I mentioned, the, the reason why I started the school and the company was just to provide, you know, like this beautiful art, uh, art form, you know, and and to allow students to be doing something productive. But definitely, this 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 company is called Quikakali in honor to my great grand uncle. You know, I carry that tradition, so it's definitely an intergenerational uh, company. I'm doing everything I'm doing, and and my hope is then, and it's gonna live even longer than I will. You know, like yeah. So <laughs> that's that's the hope, and you know, like I I have many students who have a lot of potential to eventually become, you know, like either teachers or co-assistant director or something like that. So it's definitely going for more. So it will evolve to something bigger. That's the hope. And something better, no better as, a, you know, like it's going to be better, better because it's going to be providing for more people and for more students, obviously. And you were telling me before that the type of folkloric dance that you present with your company is not only from Veracruz, but you also have, Uh, some interpretation from different places of Mexico. Yeah, ballet folklorico uh, de Mexico or ballet folklorico mexicano is is really uh, the name then then is given to to the music and dance in general for the whole country. So every 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 state has every state in Mexico has its unique uh, first of all indigenous dances and their folklorico dances, which is uh you know like dances and you see in their in their parties, you know, the community events, you know, dances and people just go, it's a party basically. And folklorico is, 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 is a way to, to put it on the stage, you know, to put it on the stage and to, to allow it to evolve. We, when we put it on the stage, we cannot call it like, you know, it's the fandango uh, because it's already out of the community, right? So it, it's, a, it's a show. Um, so, but yeah, we, we actually have a, a very extended repertory. We have dances, uh, choreographies from Veracruz, Nayarit, Jalisco, Yucatan, Tabasco. So we have a, a, a very, a very extended repertory. And um, yeah, we, we try to, to keep adding to it. You know, sometimes we go from, from, for indigenous dances for each region, or we just do folklorico dances. Also with the contemporary um, aspect of Cuicacali, we also create more modern, um, you know, pieces in relation to either indigenous or folklorical traditions. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, if there was some sort of fusion uh, and incorporation into the new modern art somehow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as I mentioned before, I love the contemporary dance uh, art form as well. Uh, and for me, and the reason why I, I love it so much is because it allows you to, to, to you know, go out of the box to, to, you know, push and bend certain things, then, then you can make it your own, you know, like uh, that's something that I really like to do. I, I try always to just be very creative and, 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 you know, get something original and, you know, new to the, to the eye in many ways. So that's why when I combine the contemporary uh, aspect to the traditions, you know, for me, it's always like, Oh, it looks new to me. It looks like original, and 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 yeah, that's what that's what that's how I love to choreograph. You know, to use different different styles into my into my pieces. As an example, can you tell me a little bit about the piece you created for this festival in San Francisco, the New Roots Festival? Yeah, uh, for this uh, festival, actually, we're presenting a, a segment of a 
bigger production. The production was is called Mexico Lindo y Querido. And the reason why is because it was going to be my first uh, full folklorico production. I, I always present for, uh, shows, but you know, I, I, I use uh, sometimes, you know, contemporary dancing into the shows, strictly contemporary. And we also used to have a, a hip hop program. So it was more like a, you know, like, um, a performance that wasn't only specifically um, folklorico. So when I started developing this this production, it actually was 2018, and we were going to be presented in 2000, not 2019, and we're going to be presented in 2020. And then it was when when COVID <laughs> hit, so we have to put that in a pause. But we were working really hard for that production, so we were actually going to be the opening act for the Frida Kahlo exhibition at the Young Museum with this uh, with this uh, production. Um, and then also we were invited to to be part of the Latino heritage uh, at the Giants um, with the San Francisco Giants. So this 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 production was built strictly with folklorico. And at the at the New Roots Festival, we we presented like three different three different regions. We presented the state of Guerrero, Nayarit, and Jalisco. You know, they're very festive. Uh, you can you can see the the fusion of cultures too, for example, in the state of Guerrero, which is a, a state and is very, very strong into uh, the influence of uh, the African diaspora. Uh, and also people from Chile was there. So they fused uh, many of the traditions to create what, what we now see as a, as a dances in Costa Chica Guerrero. Uh, so yeah, so we fuse, uh, they fuse that and allows me to fuse a little bit of contemporary into it. So, so now it looks, you know, um, a little bit more, um, I don't know if a little bit more, but for me, it's a lot more exciting. Um, and for the Nayarit, the Nayarit region is always spectacular because it's where, where the, well, the, the girls, you know, really manipulate the skirt and, and in an amazing ways. And the dancers, the male dancers dance with actually machetes, you know, like as they dance. So. That one is a little more traditional. I don't have too much of contemporary just because I like the 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 more like indigenous and and you know like field workers field workers the sound uh, of the machetes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with Jalisco, uh, you know, like it's one of the the states or regions. Then then no matter where you are, um, if you hear the mariachi music and you see the costume of Jalisco, you know it's Mexico. You know we have so many so many dances in the whole country. Then then maybe they don't necessarily. If you see it somewhere else, you don't know exactly if it's from Mexico until you research a little bit. But Jalisco is one of the dances and one of the I guess traditions and it's recognized worldwide. So we keep we kept that one as well, very very festive and and you know like very traditional so that's what we present uh the new roots festival uh and and yeah you know it's amazing amazing to see my my dancers you know like really become these uh new artists in the in the mission district and in san francisco and it's always rewarding for sure and what is your relation with sf patco yeah actually uh i actually started working with marcelo javier um many, many years ago, and I fell in love with his work as well, because um, at the time we were collaborating with this other company. Uh, that, uh, it's a theater school. It's called San Francisco Youth Theater, I believe. Yes. Um, and Marcelo was directing a play called Too Many Tamales. And they invite us to present folklorico, folklorico performance uh, with the event. 
And we were happy because, you know, first of all, we were starting to collaborate with other, with other uh, academies, other schools, other artists. And yeah, so we, we decided to do that. And when I saw what Marcelo put on the stage with uh, the young actors and he was working, I was impressed. I was like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, like this is, this is what it's supposed to be. You know, a, a good leader take, take his crew on his back and, and, and the results are on the stage. I was really, really impressed. And I mentioned that to him all the time with what he was doing. Um, my daughter was watching the show and she loved it. You know, she, we even buy the book and everything of the, you know, from where the, the, the play was inspired. Uh, yeah, and I recognized uh, uh, Marcelo's talent like right away. I was like, and very young, very young director, uh, very flexible, and you know, always willing to to collaborate in the best way possible. So through the time, then he he started teaching also at the Brava Theater with that same company, and but then the company moved to another place, and then Marcelo, you know, decided to continue with his SF Batco. Uh, as, as collaborators with Brava Theater. And that gave us the opportunity to work a little more, you know, closely. Uh, we worked together for, I guess, two other plays, but that was produced by Brava Theater, which they have a, something called Mission Academy of Performing Arts, MAPA. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was director uh, for a couple of plays. So for the last, I guess, four years, three or four years, we've been actually seeing each other, you know, every week. And I always see his work and he see my work. And it's always a very, um, you know, we have mutual respect from each other, but it's always just nice what, what he does. And, and his co-director, co Rodney, they are amazing, you know, like, and I just love their energy. Their energy is, is, is you know, open heart. You know, they, they always have a smile, no matter what, they always have a smile. And, and, and you know, also, the appreciation that they give to to Kwikakali and to my work is is you know is amazing. I really I really I'm really thankful for it. Um, and yeah, that's how I, I actually work with Marcelo. Thank you for listening to Atenea Americana, your house of culture in the radio and online. In this bilingual show, I bring you every week one hour in English and one hour in Spanish, opening a window to the cultural Hispanic world. You can hear in the intro and at the final of the show, as well as right now, music from the legend of Latin jazz, Oscar Hernandez. This and all my shows are in stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org where I wait for your comments. I invite you to be part of this. So now you've been focusing in Mexico, Lindo y Querido, and that's what you're presenting also for the festival. But is that what you're going to be uh, presenting also in the future, uh, in the future months in this year? Or are you already working in something different for next year or next presentations? Yeah, actually, the, in 2018, I, I, I produced a festival. It was called Choreographers Festival, where we actually hire or invite um, four other choreographers. But that, that show, that show um, it was called Africa in la Sangre, or Africa in Your Blood. 
And all the pieces were inspired by the diaspora. Um, we have a choreographer, Demis Stokles. He was he taught a choreography from from Haiti. It was like a Cuban Haitian um, piece. Uh, we have also an amazing choreographer, the son. Uh, he he choreographed a hip hop piece. Uh, we also have an amazing choreographer. His name is Pierre Padilla from Peru and, and choreographed uh, an Afro-Peruvian piece with Zapateado, Zapateo. So that show was in 2018 and we were planning to have it also in 2019. But, you know, like since I started working with the with the Mexico Lindo Querido, we kind of stopped that show. In the future, I want to I want to continue with that with that um, with that festival, Choreographers Festival. And not only do you know, like for example, the, the first one was African La Sangre. Obviously, was all about you know influences from 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 the beautiful culture of Africa. And but in the future, it's going to be like you know, it could be it could be war, war a world dance festival. You know, like when we can invite um, uh, choreographers from other parts of the world. And the beauty of this festival for me is then we actually invite the choreographers, but our dancers are the ones who who dance everything so it's not like they bring their company it's they they are sh sharing either jobs and they already developed or a new job with us and our dancers learn the piece and present the piece so that allows my dancers obviously to 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 be you know uh, to have more knowledge not only about you know contemporary dance or ballet folklorico from mexico but you know like world dance uh, mm -hmm. And that's another thing that it really moved me, you know, like just to to learn more about uh, everywhere I can learn from. Uh, so that's one of the ideas that hopefully 22 or 23 we 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 go back to to that festival. Um, and also, I'm looking forward for two, 2022 to to be presenting more of my contemporary dance company, which involves a lot of teams as you know. Um, immigration discrimination uh now with this COVID pandemic you know uh, all the emotions that we went through and all the struggle that we have to like you know uh, face and many people didn't survive it so all that is moving me to to continue you know like developing pieces for the contemporary company so i'm pretty much looking forward for that as well you know like having the festival the choreographers festival back and also to 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 continue presenting my contemporary dance company and and hopefully hopefully be part of many more uh, festivals around the Bay Area and hopefully one day you know, nationally and internationally <laughs> that would be absolutely lovely. Were you and the Dance Academy able to keep up a little bit the spirit of the dancing and your classes during the pandemic time? Of course, I I can imagine that you try with online classes like everybody else and uh, a lot of things can be learned that way but I bet there is some sort of magic that happened when you're all together in a real stage that it wasn't 100% translated to the online classes environment. Uh, yeah it was definitely um, you know difficult because as you said it, the dancing it requires a lot of more emotions in the room when you are training right but thankfully, uh, you know, the students were were doing their best through Zoom classes. So we were we were providing the classes through Zoom, like every week, like like regular classes. They knew their schedule. They have to log in, and you know, it was up and down sometimes. You know, like 
they didn't feel like it was working for them, but they never quit. So they stay in the Zoom classes and that says a lot, right? Uh, thankfully, after that you know, time when we were only on Zoom, we were able to go back to, to, to the theater, to in-person classes, but you know, it was very limited. Um, people could, could be in the, in the room. So I have to divide the groups. So one, one group will come one week, the other group will come another week. Uh, but it was a lot more, more uh, it was much better than just being with the Zoom classes. But it happens again, it hits again, and they said, no, we cannot keep running these classes just because, you know, like it's getting worse. So we went back to Zoom and it was tough, but I am very thankful with the families and with the students who really, you know, stay and bear with me, um, you know, in those classes. Uh, but I think it was great because when we finally were able to go back again to the theater, you know, like, I think they miss it a little bit. You know, it's like, as a young kid, sometimes you take for advantage, you know, like the beautiful things that you're doing in the studio, right? Uh, but when they miss it a little bit, they came, you know, like energetic and, you know, their, their body language said it all. You know, it was, it was very rewarding. We were having a great time, you know, just having classes. We were not preparing any performances because... Obviously, we didn't know if we we're going to have any performances. So it was a, it was a great way to kind of like, uh, you know, heal from the quarantine because they were able to just, you know, come and enjoy without any pressure of performances, you know, because when performances are around the corner, well, it's another, it's another you know, uh, environment. You know, you have to be working really hard and all that. But it was, it was great. It was great. And then since we were in the, in the studio having those classes, a, a couple of festivals decided to do something very little on the streets, you know, like something almost without advertising, just bringing some art to the, to the streets of La Mission and whoever was passing a stop by and, and, you know, enjoy the show. So we were able to, to perform for this festival. It's called Baile en la Calle, which is produced by, by Brava Theater. Um, and it was right outside of Brava. So we have the, the sound system, we were performing and then, we didn't want it to happen, but the audience was great. Like a lot of people gathered. Everybody was missing all these uh, beautiful events that happen in the mission, you know, weekly. And you know, we have we have the chance to have a couple performances, um, you know, on the street. And I think that keeps us alive. You know, that that my my dancers were like, okay, so we're here. This quarantine is has been tough and crazy, but we're here and. And when they fell again, you know, the stage, even though it's the streets, it's the most beautiful place to dance sometimes because you can really see everything around you. Um, you know, that, that, I think Being that was- Being inside uh, your stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely one of the, uh, I guess, situations then, then allow us to really come back even stronger, you know? Like, I cannot lie, you know, for some people it was so hard and some people have to take some breaks and say like, you know what, right now I'm knowing that, position to dance and you know that's what it is you know some people stay some people go um but you know that's that's the way it works in this in this occasion right with this yeah. crazy time yeah and and after a while you just get used to the mask and you know after all the scare we already i, I think we will learn to you know stay in our places and modify a little bit behavior that will hopefully will go away in a couple of years but it, somehow we make it work <laughs> We adapt yeah, yeah, yeah. before. Yeah, that was a very big push back with the mask, you know, because dancing with the mask is is very very difficult. 
But surprisingly, well, as humans, we get used to everything, really, except no eating or no drinking water, right? <laughs> uh, yes. the, the, the scary part is, and sometimes for me, at least, is I'm wearing the mask and I just forget and I'm wearing the mask. I'm just, it's so, we're so used to now that I, I'm doing too, fa yeah. facial expressions and nobody can see them really, right? Uh, when say, I oh start God. driving, I'm inside my car and then I realize I drove the whole way with the mask and like, yeah. oh. That's, that's, that's we're nice. getting used to it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh but thankfully also the dancers you know stopped complaining about the mask they were able to dance with the mask the whole time and finally like uh, the festival the new roots festival is it's very exciting for them because it's going to be the first festival that we're going to be dancing with no mask because everybody is vaccinated everybody has to show proof of, of negative tests and you know like for the show um so when i told them that we're going to be dancing with no mask their their faces illuminated and their smile just like went really big i'm pretty sure uh, um and the and, public yeah. will have masks the public will have masks obviously yeah. you know but the 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 performers you know uh we will be able to to follow whole uh, our faces and and share our expressions with the audience you know nice. um yeah so yeah, it's, it's it, this this festival also is you know kind of like giving us the feel of this is another step forward you know to to kind of like continue dealing with this pandemic and 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 go back to you know some sort of normality. Yeah, feeding you back a little bit of the the love that everybody needs. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know about dancing. I know that singers and choirs they have a special mask that allows them to, I don't know, breathe and sing more freely. They look kind of strange. I don't know if there is anything for dancers in that way. Yeah, the only thing that we were trying to use, it was more like the athletic like mask, just because it does have a little more space between your mouth and the mask. And it definitely helps, uh, you know, breathing easier, I guess. But something too big for us, you know, because the movement then we always do and it will be it will be hard to, to manage harder. Yeah. So but the athletic kind, you know, it was it was it was the best option for us. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So not everybody was wearing them. Some people, some of the students still were wearing just regular, uh, you know, disposable masks and it works for them. So but yeah, my experience was then the athletic kind. It was it was it was a lot better. So we're almost there. Well, well, hopefully, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> If everybody puts put on I their know. own bar, we'll be able to move forward and get rid of this very fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Back to <laughs> the bad times. forward to see you guys in person and to see everybody performing not just the dancing uh, part of the school but also the mariachi and the music class i really want to see you and all this hard work being shown at stage and uh, i'm also looking forward to see what's next what, what have you been preparing for next year and for your next part in in now in person uh, presentations 
what else you guys can present and, and bring back to, to San Francisco and, and, you know, this nice melting pot that California and San Francisco is. And well, I suppose we'll see how everything will come after this pandemic and what we'll learn from it. Uh, and, you know, from the, our discussion and, and a little bit what the festival has been or the latest discussion... I like what you're proposing and what you're saying, like, this is a mixture of a, a representation of what the culture is and saving traditions, but also representing a little bit of this melting pot that San Francisco is, as you say, you are melting different kind of dances, but also showing a little bit about what's next was the contemporary version of what is to come. And, you know, that's also what San Francisco in general is. Everything is always like a little bit more avant-garde, a little bit more what is there to expect uh, in, you know, every type of artistic creation is uh, a little bit of the respect of the past, but also the view towards the future. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I think the festival is in a fantastic job um i i i had same you know a sneak uh i've been having a sneak peeks into the rehearsals and and it looks amazing and you know the beautiful thing of the festival is also the diversity that they that they actually put together the you know like artists from all over um you know it's amazing it's amazing it's and it's quite organized you know i've been telling that to marcelo you know this festival it, it's just everything is running smoothly you know like let's keep it that way it's almost like it's almost you know kind of like you cannot believe it because you know to 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 actually present and run a festival it's not easy at all and these guys are doing a fantastic job they have an amazing team well organized everything is in place and the companies are doing their part as well you know every company is flexible we have to like Share spaces, not at the same time, but at the, as soon as you finish your performance, you have to clear because the other company is coming to present the other blog. So everybody's doing their part, and this festival, I think, is gonna go, is gonna go really far, and it's gonna continue to happen year after year. Well, looking forward to it and uh, to hear more from you in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have this uh, conversation with you, yeah. and you know, let's stay in touch, and and yeah, we'll see. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you so much. And this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM. Rayon Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Rayon Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para Rayon 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Vuelve pronto. Americana. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.